the Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer, near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one today, Mark Tui live in studio with us. He's going to be in for Jerry Agar from 9 to noon today. Courtney Betty from Betty's Law. Vas Bednar is the executive director of the Master of Public Policy degree in Digital Society at McMaster University. And it's nice to have you back. You've been on a bit of a break, uh, a maternity leave, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, still on parental leave, okay. actually. Okay. Yeah. How's, but, that, um, how's that yeah. all going? Um, it's a big adventure. Yeah, it's amazing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's funny because my experience with all of the friends who have had babies is, uh, that as kids, you want to will them to the next stage of development. And as soon as they get to it, you lament the fact that you missed the previous chapter. Oh yeah. When he grew out of newborn diapers, I like lost it. I was like, size one. What is this? Turn back the clock. Okay, so let's start with something on the very serious side. Um, the accused Leslieville killer, this is one of three men who were involved in uh, an exchange of gunfire that ultimately killed a 44-year-old mother of two. Turns out, I mean, mercifully, he's been arrested and uh, yet to be proven in court, but one assumes the cops got the right guy. Uh, he was out on bail. Mark, I'll start with you on this one. Yeah, I think... I I'm starting to develop uh, an image in my mind of a society where Toronto has 3 million residents and there are 400, maybe 500, who cause all the trouble. And we seem to already know who they are, and yet we can't do anything about it. He's on bail. He breaches bail. Not necessarily this guy, but this is the normal pattern. You're on bail for doing a horrific, violent thing. Uh, you're waiting trial, or in one case uh, we talked about yesterday, you've already been convicted, but we haven't put you in jail yet because we're trying to figure out how long you should be in jail. Meanwhile, they go out and commit, you know, uh, commit even more violent offenses. If we had the reason... The police say they don't have the resources to track people down when they don't show up in court because they're busy, you know, investigating murders. Well, maybe there would be fewer murders to investigate if we put the resources in up front and made sure people who were on bail were complying with the conditions of it. Maybe it would be a safer society to live in. Vaz, I always understand the philosophy that if somebody is arrested but they haven't been convicted, then you don't necessarily want to deprive them of their liberty. But then you get to cases like like this one and it just doesn't make sense to me it's hard to make it make sense i mean in this broader context of people wanting to reform the bail system and and improve it i wonder and worry whether our kind of uh challenges finding the right line around surveillance right will find its way to the bail system right you know when we hear that it's hard to track people down or find them are we going to see more of a movement to sort of infringe on people's freedoms by saying well we're going to need a way we're going to need a way to know your location at the very least again that doesn't change this kind of violence which is trending upward um based on police data um, and it's this particular case, absolutely tragic and horrific for the city and, and not, I don't think the city that Toronto wants to be or any city wants to be. And Courtney Betty, it just, it, I mean, outrageous really seems, you don't have to be some sort of hard ass about law and order to look at a situation like this one and think this guy should not have been at liberty. Well, John, there's two parts to it. I mean, and, and, and it's a horrific situation that occurred i mean i just can't imagine you know for the family you know at the same time we have this balance where if you're charged with a crime the the assumption is that 
you know, you've got to be proven guilty. And therefore, we should give you liberty. But I think the electronic component is a very interesting one. Because the law does not say that we can't track you. The law does not say that we cannot put an electronic bracelet. The law does not say that we can't have greater restrictions on certain individuals. So I think, you know, that, that thought is potentially where it should go. Um, but to try and overall the bail system and say that anyone that's, that's charged with a crime is immediately going to be denied liberty, it's a tough decision. We also don't have the defense counsels and the prosecutors working together enough and the judge to identify who potentially some of these individuals could be that might pose challenges for society. So Doug Ford is unleashing on the Auditor General, says that uh, she is working beyond her purview in taking a look at the uh, Greenbelt deals. And actually, I would say Deb Hutton made a very persuasive case this morning as to why this may be something for an ombudsperson or the integrity commissioner to investigate, but maybe it's not an Auditor General file. Um, let me start, actually, uh, Courtney Betty, with you again on this one. Would you agree with Deb that the Auditor General is stepping off of her territory? Well, I'm, I'm not sure that I agree, but here's a, here's a challenge, and we talked about this a year ago. Um, for whatever reason, this just keeps popping up and popping up and popping up, and at some point, someone's going to have to carry an investigation and, and, and come back and said, you know, there was no breach of conduct or rules or policies by the premier. So it's a matter of avoiding it now. But I think eventually it's been, it seems to have legs. Eventually an inv a proper investigation will have to be carried out. Uh, Mark Tui. Yeah, Deb made the point, and I would agree with it 100% that, you know, it is ultimately in the Premier's best interest for somebody to investigate this and to decide and to uh, tell us from, a you know, an independent perspective whether something was done wrong or not. Yeah. The Auditor General, though, has a history of expanding her mandate, not just this Auditor General, past Auditor General. They love to be on camera. They love to do stuff. She's fishing. Yeah, but we and love that when they're we, criticizing uh, we the government we don't like. Absolutely. Yeah. But in this case, too, I also feel for the developers in in one sense, in a criminal case, you know, when police, police can't walk into your home and say, well, we want to search everything, see if you've done anything illegal. They have to have a reason and probable cause to do that. The Auditor General has sort of issued a summons, a subpoena uh, to developers to kind of say, come before me, bring all of the documents that you've got pertaining to an issue. I want to have a look at them and see if you did anything wrong. They're upset with that. I think they have a right to be upset with that. I know it's not a criminal issue and there's no jeopardy there attached, but I think we need to find where that line is. This is clearly a fishing expedition. I think she's probably crossed the line, but somebody needs to investigate something. And that's the thing. Vas Bednar, I'll turn it over to you. I, I don't know that alt, you know, out-and-out -out skullduggery happened here, but there's a lot that smells about it, and I don't know how they're ever going to get to the bottom of it. I think for the average citizen, the government is the government. So I sometimes become impatient when we sort of fuss around those boundaries between, you know, a ministry or an ombudsman or a commissioner, you know, who's the right lead on this. This is a strange investigation to take a look at. And I do agree that we need to find a way to sort of have a resolution or just a kind of record of what happened and what's in and out of, you know, the boundaries to maybe use that as a double entendre here. 
and move forward. And it seems like if she finds, you know, something uh, amiss with this government, then the argument will remain that, you know, the whole investigation should be invalidated because it's out of scope. So it seems a little bit polit overly political to me. Let me stick with you, and it uh, will be for obvious reasons, Faz. A new Democrat yeah. MPP has quit uh, her job. She's resigning her seat in Kitchener Center, and she says it's because childcare is too expensive. I'd point out that an MPP makes a base salary of $116,000, so I, I'm not necessarily buying in, but what do you say? You know what? Everyone's personal finances are different. Mortgage costs going up, rent going up. Uh, it's a very expensive time in people's lives when they're paying for childcare. And just because we have this new system emerging doesn't mean that people are able to access a space that is part of the federal system. It's a, it's a big chunk of change. So I think good on this person for being as honest as they can and not euphemizing maybe why they're stepping back. And it does make me think about people who have to make particular career choices uh, because of the price of childcare. If, if this is indeed, uh, you know, if she's not truly being honest about that, I don't see a ton of reason to do it. But look, a lot of women leave the labor market uh, or labor force for quite some time. And we call that a choice, but it's it's far from it. Um, also, you know, the Kitchener-Waterloo area, we're seeing all sorts of rapid, rapid increases all over Ontario for that cost of living. So I thought... I thought it was interesting, but it made me really, really sad to read that she has to do that. Okay. I, I don't know how much cheaper childcare is in Kitchener-Waterloo than it is in Toronto, uh, so I, I can't really speak to that. Clearly, she's found an opportunity that I suspect pays more, uh, you know, because $116,000 is not that much in the city of Toronto for people because the cost of living Right, but the is median not, income, you know, for a I, single absolutely. mom making $36,000 a year, but she looks she, at that and goes, what the hell? And so I think the issue is relevant whether or not she's telling us the truth about why she's living may or may not be but the uh, the cost of living is too high we know that rather than stick around and try to do something about it although as an opposition MPP there's little you can do I wish she had sort of quit earlier on she announced earlier that she was going to quit yeah. in, at, on this time we just yesterday wow. had the nominations close on three by-elections we could have had four at the same price as three now we have to have the cost of yet another by-election she should have known this uh, a long time ago and maybe could have done it saved the taxpayer a couple of bucks. Listen, I want to get to a few other topics here. So, uh, Courtney Betty, I'll turn to you on the matter of the Governor General expensing $71,000 for four days of limousines in Iceland. Uh, first of all, it should be established that if she restricted herself to Reykjavik, um, she didn't. She could have walked. But I thought somebody made a hilarious point when they said she could have bought a BMW and abandoned it at the airport and it would have been cheaper. Yeah, well, you know, we, we we continue to have these kind of outrageous spending on the on the part of um, individuals that are, you know, in positions of authority. And to me, the general rule is: Would you do the same if you were, you know, writing the check, or if you were swipe? If it was your cards that you're swiping, would you spend seventy one thousand dollars on four days? I mean, that's the only question that really needs to be asked.
Yeah, and Mark Tui, I mean, you worked in government. You supervised a mayor who has, I mean, I do not begrudge the idea that the governor general should be driven around, but why can't she just use Uber Black? Well, I, there's two things here. One, uh, how much of this is her fault? And I'm going to talk right. about that at 9.05 at length. Uh, but the second one is the value for money. And uh, yeah, I, I once did uh, did the math. And for the amount of money that the city of Toronto spends on the TTC, we could buy 5,000 brand new cars and leave them around the city every year and just keep refreshing the fleet, pick one up, use it, drop it off like a pixie bike. But uh, yeah, I don't know where you go for $77,000 in Iceland because it's just not that big a place. No. That's uh, what I was thinking as well. It's just a small... The small spot. I was stuck there for a little while. We managed to do entirely without a vehicle the whole time we were there. And Vaz, I don't expect people who work for the government to stay at Holiday Inn and to, you know, take taxis necessarily. But I just, I, I agree with the guys when they make this point that you have to ask, okay, is this value for money? Yeah, I don't know if there's some kind of element where it's like we have to have vehicles kind of at the ready in case anything changes or for a security reason. You asked earlier, you know, mentioning about Ubers or car sharing. I think that's actually a very delicate, interesting thing to ask because we've had, right, the platform economy, short-term stays, Airbnb, Uber. Uh, certainly we can save money for governments, but before we have like regulatory regimes in place, it's really tricky. You know, should we be able to expense something that's sort of in this gray zone or, or whatever? Anyway, that's more of an aside. I think we need to understand a little bit more about it, and it is absolutely exorbitant. And is this like a government markup in the way we see wedding markups, like when you order a uh, hundred cu- cupcakes or something like that? I don't know. Um, maybe that's at play too. We know it's for a government, so all these prices become crazy, and it's just going to get paid anyway. Maybe our government should be forced to stay at Holiday Inn Express, and they all wake up refreshed in the morning and have brilliant ideas and solve all the problems. Well, if it's like commercials, if it was like if it was like the Holiday Inn we stayed in when we were kids, though. Remember, that was the quadrangle with the pool in the middle, and your parents would sit on the second story and drink gin and tonics while you went swimming. <laughs> all right, that's enough. Thank you all very much. Uh, that is Vas Benar, Courtney Betty, and Mark Tui. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.